Welcome to the Faith Community Church Podcast, a ministry of Faith Community Church in South Boston, Virginia. This week, we have a special guest with us to encourage you to deepen your faith in Jesus Christ. I sent a PowerPoint along with us here to kind of walk us through this. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to take a journey today. Uh, It's fun to go on a journey, but uh, we're going to go back in Bible times, and we're going to walk the walk or the the path of the children of Israel. And we remember the story well. We can all go back and relate to how the fact that Israel was in bondage because of their disobedience down in Egypt. And uh, we remember how God brought them out of that through the Red Sea, parted the waters. We're all familiar. We learned that in Sunday school and very familiar with the journey that God put Israel on. And he brought them out from the Red Sea into the uh, wilderness where there was a wilderness of temptation. God, I, I call it God's boot camp. And every one of us are going to have that journey. God has a boot camp for us, a training ground. It's that place where we learn obedience and we learn to put away self and sin. And we're, we're, we're all going to take that journey. And then there's the Canaan land that God promised them. And they were going into the Canaan land as victorious soldiers of the cross. And they were going to fight the battles there. They were going to be victorious, overcoming the Canaanites and the Jebusites and the Gergesites and all the other sites. They were, uh, first battle they had was uh, Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. God was on their side. And God wants us all to take that journey out of the land of bondage and sin and be able to be baptized through the Red Sea, and then come into that place of testing, the sanctification, the wilderness, where we are uh, uh, dead, dead to self and crucified with Christ and learn the victorious Christian living in uh, Canaan's land. So we're going to take that journey with us today. Theirs was a physical journey. Ours is a spiritual journey. And as we go on this journey, I want you to relate to where maybe you are in this path, uh, in these particular places. The scripture, bring it up there if you would. Let's just kind of follow along as I read, because this is a really uh, neat passage of scripture that kind of explains exactly that most important thing about this is in the New Testament and what uh, the writer uh, here, Paul, is trying to explain to the Corinthian church is theirs was a physical journey, but all the way through this journey with Israel, God was bringing forth illustrations and Uh, samples or application or typology so that we could relate to these things. There was a spiritual journey that we are taking. So in these three battlegrounds that we're all going to face, first of all starts off with, moreover, brethren, I would not have you to be unwise or ignorant or unknowing how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Remember, down in Egypt now, there were this three million group of people that were in slavery for all those years. Now God is setting them free. So they were all had that opportunity to come out of Egypt. They all passed through the sea, the Red Sea that God parted the waters. And they were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat. Let me stop for just a moment. There's five times it says all. I, I, I trust that I can say this morning that all of us are out of Egypt. Could I hear an amen? 
We're not down in the bondage of Israel. We're not down there in slavery. We have been set free, and the church is the gathering of God's people. And we could say, we've all been delivered from bondage. And also, we could also say that we've all been baptized. We've come through the Red Sea. That was the baptism, uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And we've all had this spiritual meat. Isn't it neat how that God in the Old Testament had application and sent them manna? And, and that as they were in the wilderness, they were taking that spiritual meat and that spiritual manna was a picture of, of Jesus. Uh, even Jesus was appearing in the Old Testament. They didn't know him. They didn't understand it. But there again, planted in the Old Testament was that with Israel was the picture of Jesus. They were all experiencing the same thing. They all ate of the spiritual meat. And then, and all did drink of the, I love this, all did drink of the same spiritual drink for they drank of the spiritual rock. What was that rock? That rock that Moses struck with his rod and water came out, that was living water for them. That was a picture of Jesus. Here, way back for Israel, here God was showing up in a beautiful illustration saying, hey, you are setting an example for a people that's coming after you. When Jesus dies on the cross and starts the church, they'll be able to drink of that spiritual rock, even that was illustrated here in the wilderness. And, it, and there's no question about it. Because Paul says here, and that rock was Christ. He's there in the Old Testament. And then we come to that ugly little three-letter word. When things were going all so well, when they were all delivered out of bondage, they were all saved from their sin, the blood of the Lamb was applied, they were through the Passover, and they were uh, three million of them drawn out of that land of bondage. They all passed through this incredible passage of the Red Sea as the waters parted. And then all of a sudden, as they enter into the wilderness, God had a different chapter for them. God had a different uh, uh, leadership for them through the Holy Spirit. But the, the little three-letter word, but. If you have that map there, let's just take a look at that. I want to give you a, 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 a visual here, if I could, just to kind of show you what we're talking about. Here's all of Egypt down here. Here's where the children of Israel were in exile, in bondage, in slavery. We know all about that particular place. This is the picture of the world. When God delivered them through the Red Sea, which is right here, God parted the waters in that particular place so that they could cross into this particular area here, which is called the wilderness. Listen to this. I'm looking at this, and they were here at Ramesses. If they'd have taken the shortcut, they would have been up in the promised land in a matter of two weeks. But you remember the story how that God didn't want them to make that quick journey across because God had a testing time for them. And we know that God's testing led them down through here to Mount Sinai, where in Mount Sinai, uh, Mount Horeb, they got the Ten Commandments. And we know the story about how they rebelled and how they rejected God's commandments. And then they went up here and around Kadesh Barnea, when they could have walked into the promised land, which is here, where God was leading them, the land that God had given to them and still has given Israel today, they came up here and around this mountain they walked because of their disobedience, because they refused to die to self, refused to be obedient to God. Here around this mountain, could you imagine this? What should have been a 40-day test took them 40 years. They were stuck in a land of wilderness because of disbelief and because of self. That quick passage, it could have happened. God says, you're going to go into the test. Jesus went through a test. 
You remember his testing in the wilderness? As I said, all of us are going to have a wilderness experience. I think maybe some of you can relate to that. When the testing comes, Jesus faced that test in 40 days. He was there on, uh, in the wilderness and the devil was hammering at him. And 40 days he got victory. The difference between Jesus and the children of Israel, Jesus got victory in 40 days when Israel ended up 40 years. And that whole generation died off. And only two men, uh, Caleb and Joshua, of that generation, plus uh, I think Numbers chapter 28 says that there was... Uh, uh, something like 625,000 of the next generation that went into them. So here we find ourselves on this journey, these three levels that we come to. But, notice the scripture now, let's go back to that. But God was not well pleased with them. Because what happened in the wilderness, let's camp there for just a little bit. Many of them, God was not well pleased. That's, yeah, that was, that was uh, uh, the understatement of the year. Many of them, man, the whole generation had to die because God was not pleased with them because they failed in the wilderness and they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these are the things that are examples. God has given this illustration and used Israel so that we don't have to go through the same torment and the same challenges that they did. Now, we're going to face the wilderness, but praise God, there's no temptation. I think that scripture's up here a little bit later. There's no temptation that we're going to face, no wilderness experience that God will not, with that temptation, provide also a way through the wilderness, a way of escape. But now, instead of failing, instead of, or, or instead of having victory, they were set up as an example. And I'm... You know, I thank God for examples because there, we don't have to repeat the same mistakes. Amen? They did something that we could learn from. But yet, like foolish people we, we are, we can go through the same thing and we can fail over and over, even though we have an example. These things were examples to the, to the intent that we should not... I, I, I named five things here, and we're going to come back to those a little bit later. Five things that challenged them in the wilderness. Number one was the things... It says, to, to the intent that we do not lust after evil things as they lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as some of them were. And as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink. Their, their bellies were their gods. One of the things that Israel said or when they went into the land of the wilderness, they uh, were belly aching about the, the onions and the leeks and the melons. I mean, they missed the foods of Egypt. You ever get delivered from the world and crave the things of the world? I mean, there, uh, someone said one time that God delivered Israel out of Egypt, but could not deliver Egypt out of Israel. They had a heart and a passion for things that they had. The things that they had, the lust of the flesh that they had, the, 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 the appetite that they had, the food that they had. Uh, Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three uh, and 20,000, 23,000 people because of God's, because of their disobedience. And then uh, we find neither let us tempt Christ or be, have our tempers or be angry and were destroyed by the serpents. Neither murmur ye. There's another problem that they had in the wilderness. Uh, neither murmur ye. Some of them murmured and were destroyed by the destroyer. Here it, here it is now. 
And all these things happen to them for examples that we can learn from them. They are written for our admonition upon the ends of the world to come. Therefore, let him that thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. We're all going through this wilderness experience that God wants us to come out victorious and enter into the land of Canaan, which is that beautiful place of victory where we're destroying the kingdoms of darkness day after day. So what was their battles in the, in the land of of uh, of wilderness, I, I put them kind of uh, in, in five categories. I call them the five great kings of the wilderness. There's, they, they, they struggled with things. They struggled with thoughts. They struggled with their tempers. They struggled with their tongues. And they, just to keep the T's, they struggled with their tummies. They become overcome or overwhelmed by the pull of the flesh. And folks, the thing is today, what traps us in the wilderness is the exact same things that Israel dealt with. Oh, how things have taken off, uh, taken over our lives. I don't know about you, but I have, I've got too many things. Uh, when we moved from Stanton down to, back down to Lynchburg, it, it took us three months to move, I'm telling you. I had to go out and buy two new storage sheds in the backyard just to put all the junk in it. And now we're trying to clear out the clutter. We just collect so many things. Our garages are filled, our attics are filled, our houses are filled, and, we, and there's nothing wrong with things. Please understand, there's nothing wrong with things as long as we understand that things don't possess us. We don't strive after the... God will bless you with wonderful things as we delight in the Lord. He'll give us the desires of our heart. and uh, We're just so blessed with things, but we can't let things become the thing that rule us. And then there's thoughts. Man, how many times our thoughts just go wild with us? Israel struggled with their thought life. Israel struggled with their lust. Lusting after sexual things. Lusting after material things. Lusting after worldly things. So they struggled with their thought life. They, they, they struggled uh, with their tempers. Remember how many times Israel got angry with God? They're in the wilderness when, they, when uh, Korah raised up a group to, to take them back to Egypt. Could you imagine after being delivered from slavery, someone would raise up a, a group, uh, a leader to take people back into bondage. But yet there's people every day as Christians who have experienced salvation and come, come out of the, the, the land of bondage that, that covet to go back under bondage through addictions. So all these things that are down there, and then we talk about tummies. I won't stay on that one very long. For a good, we're a good group of Christians. We love our, we love our food, amen? And there's nothing wrong with food as long as food doesn't become our God. But here's this journey. Let me, let me do something a little bit. I, some places I can't take my PowerPoint, but all these, all these things and thoughts and tempers and tongues and tummies, all these things that we deal with, they, that's, the, that's the sanctified place in the wilderness where God wants to sanctify us and make us holy so that we die to those things and we're resurrected to go into the land of Canaan. Let me do something fun here, okay? Now, don't take any offense to this, but I'm going to divide into three, three categories. Uh, you okay with this? But y'all are unsaved. You're all in the wilderness, or excuse me, you're all in Egypt down here. You're still in bondage. Uh, don't beat me up afterwards. Just, let's, play, let's role play here for just a second. This group here is, is Egypt. They're down in bondage. They're still in their sin. They're still slaves. And then we come to this sea that we'll just call this the Red Sea. For, in order for God to get them out of bondage, he had to bring them to the sea. And he rolled back the sea in an incredible work to get them out of bondage. And they were all baptized, as the scripture says. They were baptized, going through the water, the Red Sea, to come into this great big vast land. And y'all are smiling at them, but y'all are in the wilderness here. 
you're all still overcome by the flesh, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the pr- life, and the pride of, or the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You're still d- struggling with this area of the flesh. So just stay there. Don't get angry. We got to come to another river, and this other river was led not by Moses, who was the deliverer. Moses was a picture of Jesus, uh, who was the deliverer because of the cr- death on the cross. He led them out of bondage. So we all experience the leader Jesus. We're all out of that bondage through the Red Sea, through Jesus. But then Moses died. Moses never went into the promised land. Why? Because he was defeated in the wilderness through anger and unbelief. So Moses died in the wilderness for our sin, just as Jesus did. But he comes to another sea. Let's call this the Jordan River. And the Jordan River had to part in order to get these people out of the wilderness, and it was led by Joshua, who is a picture of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be able to part these waters for us, spirit baptism, spirit spirit infilling, call it what you want, but there's got to be a place in our life when we understand that we are saved, we're no longer in bondage, but as we're in this this, uh, boot camp or this testing ground in the wilderness, and we're struggling against flesh, and we're struggling against all these desires, there has to be a point where we bury self here in order to prepare us to go over the Jordan into, y'all pick the right seats. (laughs) Y'all are in Canaan's land. Now, wait a minute. This is not heaven. The old gospel singers, you know, sing the songs about crossing old muddy Jordan and going into heaven. No, this is not heaven. This is what God wants for every believer right here and right now. It's victorious Christian living. You say, why do you think it's not in heaven? Because there's no giants in heaven. (laughs) The first thing they faced was a walled city of Jericho and they had to march around it and see the walls fall. And they they had to have victory over the the people of, of Jericho. And they fought the Canaanites and, and all the other uh, uh, groups that were encamped there. They were on a battle of victory, overcoming kingdoms. Folks, listen to me. God says if you come in a spirit-filled life and you cross over the Jordan, God will give you entrance into this place called the beautiful spirit life where you are living daily. Wouldn't it be great to be able to live in this area where you don't have to struggle with those things? We'll get to that in just a moment. We don't have to daily struggle with those things, but now we're living every day as a gallant soldier of the cross. We bear the sword. We, we do havoc to the devil's kingdom, and we tromp on demons, and we, we live in victorious Christian life. That's what Canaan is. Canaan is a place that God says, I want every believer to live there. Folks, the sad thing about it is there's few people that are living the victorious Christian life. Just like this big old section is so big and there's so many people crowded in here, (laughs) you know. This is where 90% of most Christians have set up camp. You see, the gospel is this. I don't know if you have that on there. You can find that. The gospel is this. Paul explains this. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Let me stop for just a moment and explain that. The death happens over here. The burial happens here. And the resurrection, resurrected life, is over there. What you have to do in this wilderness is dig a great big old hole and crawl in it and pull the dirt over top of you. 
you have to be willing to face self. And, and, and your sin's already dealt with. You're, you're delivered. You're Christians. Praise God. We've all been delivered. We've been through the Red Sea. We've been baptized. And now this testing time, this boot camp that God wants every believer to go through with victory. He doesn't want us to live 40 years there and die in this place. He said, dig a hole and bury Jesus, the gospel, Jesus died, Jesus was buried. The trouble is, we've never dug a hole and buried self in this place. And we'll never get out of here till we do. Now, I want to say this. I don't care how deep you dig that hole. Somehow, miraculously, you're going to crawl out of that thing sooner or later. We never die totally to self. We're always struggling with sin. But praise God, when you're living over here under the power of the Holy Spirit, though sin may come, we may have our occasions, but yet, praise God, you can go and bury again. That's what Paul said when he said, I die daily. Daily. Uh, you get up in the morning and say, God, I'm not going to live in the wilderness today. Dear God, take me to that Jordan River again. Part the waters for me because I want to live over there. I want to live in victory. I want to be able to, I want to do, I want the devil every morning I get up when he sees me get out of bed. I want the old devil to say, oh no, he's getting up again. Uh, he, he's he's going to wreak havoc on my kingdom again. But how many of us live there? How many of us struggle? I, I probably shouldn't do this, but I'm going I'm to tell you a little story. Just I, I'm, I'm going to just be grandpa for a moment. I love my old stories. Kids, my grandchildren crawl up on my lap and want me to tell them stories about the old life. And I got a lot of old stories, you know. Uh, some of them are downright lies, but um, most of them are a little bit, uh, little bit embellished. But, you know, this, was, uh, this is a true story, okay? This, this happened to me early in my ministry. You just kind of relate. The death, burial, and, and resurrection. I was saved. I was pastor of a church. I was definitely saved. I was definitely baptized. But here I was as a young minister, and I was struggling with the spirit-filled life. I can tell you a whole story about that, the experience that I had of being, being able to, to, to be sanctified. Here, here's, the, here's the thing. Over there is sin. We get delivered from sin. Here is sanctification. We get delivered uh, from, from self. And over here is service. We'll never serve God until we get through the wilderness. So let me stop for this story. I don't know. Lynn, Lynn will probably remember this. We, we were back in my hometown where I started a church. I was probably in my early 30s at the time. And um, Christmas was coming. And Christmas, uh, we didn't have a whole lot of money. We started this church, and the church was, church was flourishing and doing well, and everything was wonderful. But Christmas was coming, and we didn't want to go out and spend uh, 30 bucks or 20 bucks or 10 bucks on a Christmas tree. So I called Dad, who lives on the farm, has 100 acres. And I said, hey, Dad, I'm going to go down in the woods and get a tree. He said, yeah, sure, go on down. I brought my hatchet and went over to Dad's, and... Uh, the night before, we got a snowstorm. If you're from northern Pennsylvania, you know what a snowstorm is. I'm, I'm telling you what, we had two and a half to three foot of snow. And now I'm, I've already told my, my kids, I'm going to get us a Christmas tree. And they're waiting at the house to see the tree. So I take off with my hatchet. And I go down through the woods. And I'm, I'm wading snow clear to my hips. And I get down in the woods and I look at this piece of junk and that piece of junk. And finally, I walk down deep into the woods and see this big old beautiful tree. And the top of it just kind of has the hallelujah chorus. The angels of God are descending and ascending on this place, you know. That's it. I crawl up in the tree and I chop that top out for my Christmas tree, grab a hold of it, start through the woods, drug it 
through the woods to the edge of, edge of this great big field, and at the top of the field is a road, and on the top of the hill is my car parked. I walked from my car down into the woods. So I figured the shortest way to get to the road is just come straight up. So I drug that big old tree up through the, up through the field, and I set it beside the edge of the road, and I'm looking, my car is up there, and I'm thinking, I'm not going to drag that tree all the way up to my car. I'm going to go up and get my car and bring it back down, and I'll pick it up. I got halfway to my car. This, this is the truth now. I got halfway to my car, and a truck, pickup truck, passes me on the road. And I turn around, and he stops at my Christmas tree. And he gets out, and he starts loading my Christmas tree in his truck. And I'm looking at this, and I'm hollering. I say, hey, that's my tree. He looks at me and waves and smiles, throws the tree in the back of his pickup truck, and I'm about that time boiling. I'm thinking to myself, I walked down in that woods a mile. I hauled that thing up out of here. He's going to steal it from the side of the road. I got my hatchet, and I'm t I got a little Indian blood in me, and I go running down. This guy jumps in his truck and tries to get out, and he backs up into the ditch, and he's there spinning his wheels, and he's got the windows rolled up, and I'm running as everything I have with my hatchet in my hand like a wild Comanche Indian, and he's got terror on his face the closer I get. I, I run up to the truck. I grab the handle of the doorknob pulled it open, and I said, what are you doing? He said, oh, I just thought this tree was sitting here. I said, you did not think it was just sitting here. I walked a mile down there to get this tree, and this is my tree. And he said, okay, I'm sorry, you can get it out. I said, I'm not getting it out. You get it out. Get out of there. Put it back where, you be where it belongs. I was, I, you know, I can tolerate a lot of things, but don't steal my Christmas tree. <laughs> I got my tree started dragging it up the road. He was still spinning his tires trying to get out. You think I was going to help him get out? There was, not a Christian, there was not a Christian bone in my body at that time. I was still steaming. I drug that tree up a ways, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, here I am, a pastor of a local church, the Holy Spirit, said, Randy Spencer, Pastor Randy Spencer, what is it? It's Christmas time. And I hear the song, tis the season to be jolly, fa-la-la-la-la, la-la-la-la. The Holy Spirit starts singing to me. And all of a sudden, I'm telling you like a weight just slapped me on the top of the head. I dropped to my knees, and I bawled like a baby. That guy's still down there spinning his wheels in his truck, but I'm falling in the snow, and I'm saying, dear God, where'd that man come from? I'm not an angry person. My wife will verify that. I don't get, I don't get torqued easy. I'll tell you, I can take about anything. But the devil saw a little bit where he could get in. And all of a sudden, God's Holy Spirit said, Randy, you pastor one of the largest churches right now in, in, in Dubois. That man may show up to your church on Sunday. Matter of fact, he may have even known who you are. And there you are acting like that. I want to tell you, right there in that snow, I dug a hole. And I said, dear God, I don't know where that came from. I have no idea what happened. But I want to bury Randy Spencer so deep in this dirt right now, in this mound of snow or dust or dirt. I want to fall before you and repent and say, dear God, help me never see that man again. I'll tell you what has to happen in the wilderness. If we're going to get out of here, we're going to have daily encounters with facing who we are. The struggles that we're going to have with our flesh. I wish I could say I never had another battle with that. Oh, but I'll tell you what, being the man of God 
that God has made me and I've crossed over this river and I've given my life by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know what spirit-filled means? It means to walk in the spirit daily and to surrender your life to him and say, dear God, when things happen, that I happen to slip back to the wilderness, I don't want to set up camp there. I don't want to stay there. I don't want to die in that place. God, please forgive me and get me out. God's message to the church today is, when are we going to cross over? When are we going to live in that victorious place? Oh, we've all been out of Egypt. We've all been baptized. We've had our struggles here. But dear folks, have we faced this river where the Holy Spirit will lead you into this incredible place? No, it's not heaven. There's another river. You know, this, there, there's another river over here. And it's called the river of life. And when we're through with our victorious Christian living, when we've lived the life that God intended us to live and do the things that accomplish his purpose, God parts the water and the river of life. And somewhere beyond that wall is the glorious place called heaven. I don't want to be in any one of these areas long. And when I get to that place, I want to be able to know that every day I'm preparing for Jesus to part the water of life and take me safely home. I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You see, I want to kick the devil's tails, what I want. I, I, I want to live my life as though I'm more than conqueror, because that's what I am. God said, calls us all to victory. Let's just take a moment, because I, I, that, that's it, for what it's worth. But I want to tell you what, if we get a picture, a visual, of what God is calling us to, we need to start on that journey wherever you are. You know, maybe there's somebody here that's not been saved yet. I mean, it's not uncommon for people to go to church and never really identify the time and place when you ask Jesus to be your Savior and release you from the slavery of sin. Maybe you've never been baptized. God says, hey, start the journey. Get through the waters of baptism. Get into this place called the wilderness, and then let God's Holy Spirit guide you through that to become victorious. Bury self, bury sin. If I could, let me, before I close, let me do this. Let me just show you something. I have it written. I think I put it on the PowerPoint here. Do you have the three battlegrounds? I'm just going to do this before we stop. The three battlegrounds. Here we go. So you have an idea of where we've been. Look at this. We've got three areas. In Egypt, we overcome death. In the wilderness, we overcome burial. In Canaan, we get resurrection. In Egypt, we fight the world. In the wilderness, we're fighting flesh. And in Canaan, we're fighting the devil. Sometimes we think that the devils, we're fighting the devil, and we're never fighting him in the wilderness. We're just fighting self. You'll never fight the devil until you get over there, because you'll never have the power to overcome him until you live in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Egypt, we're delivered by salvation. In the wilderness, we're delivered through sanctification. And Canaan will be delivered through service. Serving the Lord, getting ready to meet him one day. In Egypt, we deal with sin. In wilderness, we deal with self. In Canaan, we're finally dealing with the devil, Satan. In Egypt, it's the soul that's saved. In the body, or in the wilderness, it's the body that's buried. In Canaan, it's the spirit that comes alive. In Egypt, we're captive. In wilderness, we're carnal. In Canaan, we're conquerors. Don't you want to live there? In Egypt, we're delivered by faith in Jesus Christ. In the wilderness, we're delivered by fleeing. Just get out of there. 
The Bible says, flee youthful lust. Don't camp in Canaan. Get out as quick, or don't camp in the wilderness. Get out as quick as you can. And then Canaan, you're finally ready to fight. I want to tell you what. The devil needs someone to beat him up. I, I get so tired of what the, Satan's doing today, wrecking havoc on our churches, constantly battling our country, dividing our churches, dividing our nation. I, I would just love to see the church triumphant rise up and say, enough wilderness living. I want to get over there. And I want, as a corporate body of believers, the body of Christ to rise up with a banner and a standard and march against the powers of darkness and defeat it. Heavenly Father, I don't know where folks are today. You do. Lord, you know the reason for this message today. And God, we all need it. I certainly preach to myself. I would love to be able to live in that place, Lord, of daily service. And I'd certainly love to be able to say uh, I'm part of the triumphant body of Christ, the church, that raises up a standard and a banner against powers of darkness. Oh, we are not the tail, we're the head. One can chase a thousand and ten can chase ten thousand when we're living in Canaan. So God, through the power of Joshua, lead us over, guide us over, Lord. And God, cause your church, the struggling little fragmented body of Christ that's out there seems to struggle all the time. God, raise up a mighty church in America and around this world, Lord. I pray for the church in Ukraine. God, raise them up. May their prayers make a difference. May the enemy be defeated. And God, may you stall and thwart the plans of the enemy and allow your name to be exalted. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about Faith Community Church, you can find us online at fccsobo.org or on our Facebook page by searching Faith Community Church. As always, God loves you, we love you, and we hope you have a wonderful week.